Why don't you take your Bibles this morning and go to 2 Samuel 18, verse 32. I know it's the first service after being at the college last night. Some of you were googly-eyeing each other, and it got to be a little dark, and some of you girls were walking with a guy, and you thought he was the cutest thing in the shadow there of, uh, of you know, of the clouds and the fireworks, and, and then you came in the room this morning and saw him, and you saw what he really looked like, and you're uh, disappointed. Same thing with some of you guys. You chased a girl last night, and then this morning you saw her in the room, and you're like, that's okay, I'll pass. And so... Uh, I, I want you to sit up. I want you to put your, your backs there on the seat. I want you to look. Don't talk. Don't let anyone talk to you. I am going to need somebody to help me, and I've chosen somebody. So Jonathan Munoz from uh, New Jersey, why don't you come on up here? Uh, this guy's been bothering me all week. He wants everybody to know that he's God's gift to women and, um, and that he's, he's a... So, hey, by the way, today is Latin Day. Today's Latin Day Youth Conference. So we've got Brother Hubal, uh, myself, we've got Brother Andy. So today is, uh, is Los Predicadores, all right? So it's the pastors. But uh, how you doing there, Jonathan? Good. So this is Jonathan right here. I met him about a year ago at his church. And Jonathan, he swears up and down that he's God's gift to everything, okay? He's a return gift, but he's a gift, all right? Now, and so you're going to help me this morning, okay? Look at him. He's got the pretty little necklace right here. Isn't that cute? Poppy, all right? And so, why don't you come up here, because I am going to use you. If any of you girls are interested, forget about it. Um, but go to 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 32. And thank you for coming. And man, I get, I get a privilege to have an unusual position to be a youth pastor for uh, teenagers that come from Chicago on bus routes. And uh, they're a little rough. Our teen church is a little rough. Brother Eddie did it for many years, and then I took it over. And man, we have a fight. You know, we fight. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we're singing everything's all right, and then it becomes the everything's not all right. And uh, but they're they're good. They're they're sleeping on the gym floor this week. They're sleeping at the college, and man, they really go out of their way. And I love them, and they sacrifice, and they can be uh, a little trouble sometimes. But man, the blessings are incredible at what happens with those young people. How many of you you come on a bus to church back home? You ride a bus. Would you raise your hand? Amen. There's many of you, and God has a special plan and place for you. This morning, Jonathan here is going to be a young man in the Bible named Absalom. And so I'm just going to use Jonathan. I told him I would. Would you go to 2 Samuel 18.32? Now, I do talk a little fast sometimes. I'm from Chicago. If you don't move fast, you get shot, okay? And so I need you to, to listen quickly. The Bible says, and would you read with me? I need you to follow with me in scripture this morning. If you don't follow with, uh, with me, you're going to get lost. Usually you start a story and you talk about the beginning of the story. You know, so-and-so met so-and-so and they got married so-and-so and they moved to the village so-and-so and they got married so-and-so and they had children so-and-so and, and then they live happily ever after. And so most stories, you know, when you tell, you want to kind of, you want to tell a story and you want to tell a happy ending. We're going to start this story backwards. We're not going to start with how it started with Absalom. We're going to start with how it ended with Absalom. You know, as we speak this week about eternity, what we're really trying to get you young people to do is to take your eyes and uh, for you to have vision a little further than your face and to look out and have a perspective of your role and your impact and your influence in eternity. And it starts today. Would you look? The Bible says in 2 Samuel 18.32, and the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? 
And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. We're at the end of Absalom's life. It is not a good ending. It is an ending in which he is killed because he rises up against his father, David. He rebels against the king. And the, uh, the, the men go out and they kill, listen, they kill Absalom. And we have a story where a man that had great looks and great potential and great leadership winds up being dead and we have a grieving father. Would you look there, please, at verse 33. And the king was moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And as I read that, I can feel the quiver in, the, in David's voice. I can feel the emotion of disappointment. I can feel the emotion of David saying, oh, if I just had one more minute with my son. Oh, if my son would just listen to me. Oh, if my son would just pay attention just one more time. But it was too late. How did Absalom get to the place where he rebels against his father? Where he goes out and draws men against his father how does he go and turn against all his upbringing how does he go and takes his father's uh, kingdom and wants to tear it down well that's fine would you go with me to i want you to go to second uh, samuel 15 uh three second samuel 15 three stay right there jonathan jonathan's a young man here he's got the whole world and a lot of potential in front of him but Jonathan's a representative of you this morning in which there are so many things that are trying to draw Jonathan away from that eternal perspective, from that influence that he can have, from, that, from the, uh, the, the promise that God could use him. Look what it says, 2 Samuel 15, 3. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man... Uh, deputed of the king to hear thee. David is, uh, I'm sorry, Absalom is talking to some of the men that were coming to him for counsel. And he said, if you would make me king, things would be better. If you would just put me in the position, hey, I'll fix everything that is wrong with you. I want you to go to Psalms 55 verse 21. Because I want to show you what David said about his son. Absalom wanted so much to be recognized, to be in charge. Absalom wanted so much to rule. He wanted so much to be different that he began to draw the hearts of the men away from his father. And look what David said about his own son. He says in Psalm 55, verse 21, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. His own father said, my son had war in his heart. My son could talk a good talk. He could walk a good walk. He looked a good look. And I'm thinking about, there's teenagers in here right now. You are exactly like that. You walk a good walk. You talk a good talk. You look a good look. 
But deep down inside, you know that your heart is so far removed from the things of God. Absalom was a very handsome man. I want you to look with me, please. And I want you to go to Second uh, Samuel 14.25. Let's, let's get the story going, then I'll apply the principle. Second Samuel 14.25. But, but in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. By the way, David had some good-looking kids. That family, man, they had good genes. The Bible says right there, in all Israel, there was none so to be much praised as Absalom. Hey, Absalom, you're a great guy. Hey, Absalom, you're going to be the next king. Hey, Absalom, you'll do things better than your, your father. Hey, Absalom, man, you know what? The young people like you better. Hey, Absalom, you know what? You're right. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to join you because, you know what? I think your dad is old and he's stale. It's time for a change. I want you to go to uh, 2 Samuel. 15, 13. 2 Samuel. Tell you what, 2 Samuel 15, 6, and then 13. The Bible says, and on, the, on, the, on, and on this manner did Absalom tell all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So when I think of stealing hearts, we always think about it in a romantic way, right? Have you ever stolen anybody's heart? No, you never will either, but uh, keep trying. And uh, you hear about a girl, oh, you know, some girl sees some guy and she's like, oh, he just took, you know, he stole my heart, just took my breath away. No, that's because you got asthma, okay? It's not because he's cute, all right? Stole my heart. Some guy sees a pretty girl and says, oh, man, she just stole my heart. My heart stopped breathing, you know, my heart stopped beating because she is so pretty. Hardly ever do you hear that a man steals the heart of another man. But that's what the Bible says. And I know we, they use it in a romantic sense. But the Bible is used in the sense that he got men to follow him. Because they believed in him. Because they believed him. Because then they begin to turn on what they've been taught. They've been turned on what, what they've learned. They've turned on the teachings of David. God touched the hearts of the men that were with David. They were called David's mighty men. Absalom had to steal their hearts. Did you hear that? God touched the hearts of David's men, but Absalom had to steal their hearts. And you listen to me, young people. The devil never creates anything. He copies, he destroys, and he steals. We've got a lot of young people, listen, that God has touched your heart to serve him, to live for him, to be different, to be a witness. And someone is stealing your heart. I have two titles for this message. The first title is, The King Wants His Men Back. I want you to look at verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. I would say the king wants his men back, but it's too late because we started the story with the end. And at the end, Absalom is dead 
and those that followed Absalom are dead. The king never got his men back. And by the way, you listen to me. I, I grieve. I've been a youth pastor for over 25 years. And I've seen a lot of young people go into the world. And let me tell you, once you get out there, it is almost impossible to bring you back. And sometimes the only thing that will bring you back is death. I want one, two, three, four. I want the first five rows in this section to stand. Would you please just stand quickly? Just stand. This is how many young people I've buried. Under the age of 21, in the last 35 years, this is how many young people I've buried. Would you sit down? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? We average two to three deaths in our youth department a year. But Absalom, he stole the hearts, whereas God had touched the hearts of, men, of, of uh, David's mighty men. Young people, there are today many people and many things that want and are trying to steal your heart. They're trying to get your heart away from an eternal perspective, and they're trying to get your heart to focus on an earthly presence. How did Absalom steal the hearts of men? How did Absalom turn on his father? Why did so many people who thought David was such a great king, and by the way, in Israel, they still think David is such a great king. I've been there. I've been to David's tomb. It's a big old rock, and it's covered with this, with this shawl, uh, kind of a red, and it's got the monarch thing there. And people walk in, and men walk in on one side, ladies one, walk in on another side. You're not allowed to walk in together. And you got to have a head covering if you go in. And to this day, there are still people that go before the tomb of David, and they bow and they pray, because they believe David's going to come back one day, and David's going to set up another kingdom someday. To this day, I saw it a few years when I was there. Here's Jonathan, and Jonathan rep represents Absalom. Now, he doesn't have Absalom's hair, doesn't have Absalom's looks, but hey, that's the best I could do for today. Why did these men allow Absalom to steal their hearts? Number one, listen to me, because they were looking at what was in front of them instead of what was ahead of them. You listen to me. A lot of you are just looking what's in front of you. Your friends, your fun, your social media, your sports, your girlfriends, and you're not looking what's ahead of you. You're looking at that pretty girl, and you're thinking, man, she is fine. Let me tell you something. We were all fine at one time. Yes, I'm still fine, but I mean, we were all fine. You think about Brother Judah there, you know? People always say that we look alike. Even this week, somebody said, hey, great message, and I preached it, not him. Uh, but, hey, but they knew. Anyhow, but, uh, you know, he, he had hair at one time. He had more hair. Hey, I had black hair at one time. Amen? You know? Hey, so, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I'm sorry. And uh, they'll say, oh, no, no, you're fine. I'm like, I know I am, but I'm still sorry. All right? So we're looking so we're looking at what's in front of us and not what's ahead of us. They're looking at this. It's kind of, okay, I'm not going to look at you. But they're looking at, a, they're looking at a handsome young man. They're looking at a man that's got incredible 
Charisma, personality. Some of you guys are looking at a girl. You're looking at what's in front of you, and you know that's not what you need because what's ahead of you is a good marriage. What's ahead of you is a godly wife. What ahead of you is a, is a wife that's not on Instagram and on her phone all the time. What's ahead of you is a good mother. What ahead of you is a, is a mother that will rear godly children, but you're not looking ahead. You're looking at what's in front of you, and you're saying, I like this. And that's what they did. I like it. Uh, some of you are looking at social media. You know, it grieved my heart the other day when you all laughed at Mr. Beast. And whenever we post stuff like that, yeah, I, I stay connected. And it grieves my heart because, ah, the big roar that went up for that man. Because that's what's in front of you. You're not looking at what's ahead of you. You're not looking at the addictions. You're not looking at broken homes. You're not looking at the fact that you are so addicted to a phone that right now you are going to a, through a mental uh, depression because we have to, you know, keep you away from your phone for two hours. Listen to me. They allowed their hearts to be stolen because they were looking at what was in front of them instead of what was ahead of them. They were looking at what was attractive and what was popular. Hey, you better get this in your big head. It is never going to be attractive and it is never going to be popular to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're looking at it and you're like, oh man, this is good. This is cool. This is chill. Man, this is what I like. It's attractive. It's popular. It's before you. Remember, these men spend a lot of time with Absalom. And as they were before him, listen to me, as they were before him, they got kind of tunnel vision, like, oh, man, this is the best thing. You better start looking ahead. Some of you, your hearts have been stolen by what is popular and what is attractive and what is in front of you. And you're losing that eternal perspective. You're losing that eternal view. By the way, it never turns out right. It never turns out good. How were the hearts of these men stolen I said first because they allowed their hearts to be stolen because they were looking at what was in front of them instead of what was ahead of them. Number two, look at 2 Samuel 15, 11. 2 Samuel 15, 11. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called and they went in their what? Simplicity and they do what? Not anything. Some of you are so simple. And in some ways that could be good. I want you to be simple to evil. I want you to be simple to sin. I want you to be simple to the world. Hey, hey, but, but let's have this chat. Let's have this talk. Too many of you have been in church way too long and you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. And you're just sitting there. You know, there's three types of teenagers I see in youth groups. There's the ones that zone out. You've heard so much preaching. This is just another Charlie Brown, blah, 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 blah message in your ear. You zoned out. And then there's the dropouts. Those of you that are uh, maybe a little bit older, juniors and seniors, and man, you're just waiting for that open door. Graduation so you can walk through it and you can walk away from your faith. You've already decided you're going to drop out. And then there's the opt-out crowd. Those are the ones that, you know, you're going to love God, but you don't like the church you're in. You don't like the way your youth pastor does stuff. You want stuff that's a little bit more attractive, more popular, more cool. And so you're going to opt out to a very shallow Christianity. 
that's going to please you more than please the Lord Jesus Christ. He stole the hearts of the simple. Young people, can I encourage you to do something? Listen in church. Can I encourage you to do something? Talk to your pastor. Can I encourage, uh, uh, encourage you to do something? You know what? Before you make any decision, you go talk to your pastor and you talk to your parents. The world knows the world is going after the simple. And by the way, I couldn't find a better example. This is simplicity right here in a blue shirt. It went after this, the simple, the Bible says. And look what it says. It says, they knew not anything. They were just blind followers. It's amazing how many things you allow in your life that you never ask, is this godly? Look, I'm fi I'll be 57 years old next year, uh, next week, not, not, next, next week. Listen, the older I get, the dumber I feel. I feel like, man, I didn't learn that. I didn't learn that. And I'm always learning. But listen to me. Some of you are way, way simple. And you are allowing things in your life. And you're not seeking counsel. And you're not seeking direction. And you're not being led. You're going to follow someone or something one day that's going to draw your heart away from God. Let me just say this. Whatever occupies your mind is what occupies your heart. Hey, guys, you're full of lust. And girls, you too. Hey, guys, you're full of can't wait to make money, even though God's called you to preach. Hey, teenagers, listen, you, your mind is preoccupied with a relationship. Your mind is preoccupied with just let me get out of here. Hey, listen to me. Whatever is in your mind that constantly rules is what's in your heart. How do you steal their hearts? He went after the simple. Some of you young people, listen to me. If you've sat in this auditorium all week and you have not so much as bowed a knee, talked to God, I know sometimes it gets, it gets crowded up here. If God has not spoken to you this week, then two things. You're not saved or you're living in rebellion. You're not saved or you're living in rebellion. We have a lot of rebellious young people that are just like Absalom. You look good, you sound good, but deep down inside, that heart is being turned by someone or something. I've been there. I never had any desire to be in ministry. I graduated City Baptist. I grew up here. I was a bus kid here. Came to church when I was seven years old on horseback riding Sunday. I've been on a bus every week for the last, I think, 50 or 45 years of my life I've been on the bus. Every week. I drive a bus. I'm a bus captain. But man, when I became a teenager, boy, that pressure came heavy. I, I really didn't feel like God speak to me. And so I went to Bible college and I didn't do real well. And then I left Bible college for a year and I came back. And I finished. I mean, I went to Brother Hiles and he was my pastor and nothing. And so I went and worked for a business and I enjoyed it and got to travel and got to do a lot of things. I married a beautiful woman, very intelligent lady. She was a nurse. I was working downtown in a corporate office. Man, we're living a good life. Living in one of the nicest neighborhoods in Chicago. Sometimes I'll take my kids by and say, that was my house. And they're like, why'd you leave it? <laughs> God. Uh, and uh, 
hey, we're doing good. And, and Brother Hiles called me in and said, I want to bring you on church staff. This was about 1999. Then he gets sick. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> they put me into school. And I was a horrible teacher. Amen. And, man, but for all those years, I was just in church, traveling, doing well. But listen, but there came a time when I had to deal with what was in my heart. I'm, I'm going to tell you something very personal. I want you to listen. I don't know how many of you kids are going to get this. Brother Gomez, I think you'll truly understand it because we work with many of the same people. A lot of our young people do not want to be successful to be successful. Listen to this, because this is a mic drop and it's very heavy. A lot of you young people don't want to be successful to be successful. You want to be successful because you're seeking revenge against people that said you can't do it. Against growing up in a poor home. Amen? Against growing up where you said, oh, well, I want, I want to see how the white people live. But then I went to a trailer park and I'm like, no thanks, all right? I went to West Virginia, I'm like, whoop, all right? But he stole the hearts of the simple. Let me go to the third point. This is important. Stolen hearts are not stolen overnight. You don't meet, oh, this is awkward. Okay, but you don't meet a guy and think, ah, that's it. Whatever he says, whatever. Ah. If you do, you're really simple. You're simply dumb, all right? And you don't meet a girl and you don't, you, there's no such thing really as like love at first sight. It's like, oh. But listen to me. That rebellion that's in your heart, that, that doesn't happen overnight. And you say, Brother Ricky, where are you going with this message this morning? I want a lot of young people in here this morning by the time I'm done. You needed an altar and you need to get out of your heart that which is being stolen, that which belongs to God that you're giving away to somebody else. And there's no way we're ever going to focus on eternity until you deal with the now and now today of what's in your heart, of the lust, of the music, of the friends, of the desires of the things that you want. You better deal with it. We, we're not going to go any further, young people, until you decide there's things in here that are yanking me away from Christ. There are things in here that are yanking me away from God. There's things and people that are stealing my heart. And by the way, your heart doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you read 2 Samuel 15, 7? And it came to pass after 40 years, after 40 years, not 40 days, not 40 hours. By the way, listen to me, young people. If somebody can draw your heart away from God that quick, you were never really, really cemented in Christ. 40 years, the Bible says. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Now I'm not going to read the rest of it, but he gathers his men. After 40 years, he's plotting. He said, Brother Ricky, why do you make that? Because right now, some of you have things in your heart and in your life that right now you don't think are bad. 
And they're not going to steal your heart overnight, but they're going to steal your heart eventually. I'm not a parent. I'm not a dad. I've oftentimes role-played in my mind what it'd be like to be a dad. I wonder what it'd be like if I had a son. And my, my son began to turn away from the Lord. Man, Brother Hubal, I have such a heart for parents who lose their children to the world. Every week I meet on Wednesday with a group of men who've lost their children, I pray with them. I've got such a heart for people like that. And sometimes I've lost teenagers throughout the years, many, and I've cried and wept. Then I got up and went and got some more. I remember one time I was, I was just weeping over somebody. And Brother Abdel, you've been there. I was just weeping and weeping. In the middle of my weeping, it's like the Holy Spirit slapped me and said, knock it off. Do you know how much they grieve me? Young people, do you know how much you grieve? Not your parents. But do you understand how much you grieve the Holy Spirit of God and how much you grieve the Lord Jesus Christ when you allow somebody to steal your heart? A lot of you are playing church. A lot of you are playing Jesus. A lot of you are playing salvation. There's hundreds of young people in here. Your hearts are being stolen by people and things. 40 years. And right now, you've got little things in your life that you're like, ah, no biggie. No biggie. Remember sitting in a, my office across the street, and a man came in. He was 28 years old. And he's struggling with his marriage and struggling with his life. And he's one of my boys. And we talked a little bit and come to find out that the root cause was lust. And he told me, he said, Brother Ricky, when I was seven years old, I started looking at inappropriate things. Seven years old, 21 years later, married in a mess. What he planted when he was seven years old grew a weed when he was 28 years old. Hey, what's in your heart right now, young people, that in time is going to steal your heart from God. What is it? I told you the title of the sermon in the beginning was The King Wants His Men Back, but the King Never Got His Men Back. And your mom and your youth pastors and your pastors, they want you back. Got young people in here, you're so backslidden this morning. Can I tell you something? You're causing your parents and your pastors and youth pastors to pray for you when they could be praying for other things in ministry. The king never got his men back. And some of you will never come back. Thank you, Jonathan. Just have a seat there. Let me finish. Would you please go to John chapter 8, verse 44? I'll finish with the New Testament. 
I'm almost done. John chapter 8, verse 24, uh, 44. If you won't believe me, if you won't be believe Brother Judah or Brother Gomez, would you believe the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? I can't get any more uh, Bible biblical than to tell you what Jesus said. John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and the bold not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I love that smackdown Jesus gave on Satan. And some of you won't believe our words, so let me just tell you what Jesus said. He said the devil's a liar, he's the father of a liar. He says that if you follow him, you're, you're one of his. Look at the next verse there. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. They didn't believe Jesus. And by the way, you don't believe us. You think we're just these old fogies that have never lived life and like you know something we don't know. Hey, listen to me. You don't believe us because you don't believe this. And you don't believe this because you don't believe him. What is the invitation this morning? Quickly, what is the call this morning? The call this morning is to search your heart. Would you go to Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24? The call this morning is to search your heart. The call this morning, if you are backslidden, if you're in rebellion, if you're living away from the Lord, the call this morning is, hey, you're never going to have that eternal perspective and that eternal purpose until today you deal with that earthly presence of rebellion in your life. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Remember what you think about. It's what's in your heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This morning, young people, can I challenge you? Who is stealing your heart? How long have they been doing it? How long has that been festering in your life, young people? I know you're only looking at what's, ahead of you, what's in front of you and not what's ahead of you. And young people, if you'll just... Say, excuse me, could you please move and look ahead at what God has for you? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want you to talk.